0: You are listening to Uncommentary, the home of conversations and clarity. Recently named one of Christianity Today's 12 podcasts you don't want to miss, 2021. I'm your host, Marty Duran. Hey everyone, if you're a regular listener to Uncommentary, you may know that we were rec- recently named one of the 12 podcasts you don't want to miss by Christianity Today. We're really happy about that. Uh, I want to talk to you if you've been listening, but you haven't yet become a supporter through Patreon or PayPal. Uh, it's really helpful, and I'm going to do a pledge drive. I'm hearkening back to the old days. So right now, there are about 32 or 34 regular monthly supporters for Uncommentary, and then every month, I'll pick up maybe one or two additional gifts of support through PayPal. So I want to encourage you, if you've yet to jump on that particular bandwagon, Every episode that doesn't have an episode sponsor, and that's like 90% of them, is sponsored by my Patreon uh, group and the PayPal supporters. So I encourage you to join that little band, patreon.com slash uncommentary or paypal.me slash uncommentarypod if you'd like to give just a one-time gift. Now, at Patreon, you can support paypa- uh, support uncommentary for only a couple of bucks a month if that's your limit. Uh, You can go to four or five or 10 or 20 or something like that. If you're feeling especially generous or if you've been blessed in some big way, uh, I'll take it and put it to good use. But I want to encourage you over the next six weeks or so to become a supporter through Patreon or through PayPal. Thanks a lot. Have you ever had questions about artificial intelligence? The kind I mean, that would help your actual intelligence? Um, I have, because I'll take all the intelligence I can get. There are a lot of questions. Can it? What can it do? What are its limitations? What are its applications? And is it something we really have to be afraid of? In other words, is Skynet a real possibility? Could it actually turn on us and create a rampaging escapade of uh, bulldozers and rockets and a Terminator? Well, I'm talking today with Corinne Reed. She's the owner of Ellison Labs in Atlanta. And she's been working with AI for a long time. And this is an interesting conversation. And I think you'll find out some stuff that you maybe didn't know and maybe some stuff that will calm your nerves as well. Well, my guest today is one of Forbes' 30 under 30. Now, was that announced in 2020 or is that like your, oh, it's 2017. So you might oh, yeah, actually cool. be, yeah. you might actually be over 30 years old now.
1: I am. Oh, my <laughs> goodness.
0: Well, it's, it's, you know, it's not that bad. I'm way on the other <laughs> side. So, <laughs> so you're still in really good shape. Uh You have a PhD in chemical engineering. Uh Is that from, I don't see where that's from. Is that from Georgia Tech? Yeah,
1: Georgia Tech.
0: Oh, well, then I'm doubly impressed because being from uh, the south side of Atlanta, I know what tech is all about. Um Your contribution to the field of artificial intelligence as applied to the healthcare space. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and apparently you have an honorary doctorate in sarcasm shade and <laughs> I don't know what RBF means from the university of side. Eye. is that a yeah. thing I need to know about?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just like, think about like, if you ever been, it's just a look that you give. It's just, it's like shade, but with your face, Okay. um, it's the shade <laughs> that I haven't been able to control. Like I can, I'm being able to control my tongue a little bit better, but, um, the face, it's just, just imagine like an old church lady, Yeah, you're acting up and they give you a look and you know, yeah, you know, you're in trouble, that's yeah. that, that
0: side eye. I, I do the same thing, but it's the raised eyebrows. I've actually had people <laughs> say stuff and I involuntarily I can just, I know it's happened because I say, what, what, <laughs> what, what do you mean? What? <laughs> well, you did that thing and I'm like, crap. <laughs> oh man. So Corinne Reed, welcome to Uncommentary.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Really glad to be here.
0: So you are the president of uh Ellison Labs. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Excellent. And um you probably have some hobbies and whatnot. So um if you follow me on Twitter, not you, but if you listeners follow me on Twitter, you might also follow Corinne because she's pretty active on Twitter, seems to have a good time out there. And uh you might have run across her some. But why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, yeah. So I am a big nerd. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> um yeah, grew up in Atlanta, um, on the south side of Atlanta, just like you. Um, and then right before sixth grade moved to um Indiana just north of Indianapolis, Carmel, Indiana. Uh, it was like the complete culture shock. Yeah, it's like no an all white suburb. Um so that was uh, that was pretty strange. Um and definitely some some challenges there. Um, then pursued um an engineering degree. I um, went to undergrad at Iowa State, where I did some research that kind of started to get me into having an interest in artificial intelligence. Um, so I worked for a professor doing research, and what we were doing is predicting blood glucose um, using non-invasive input, so meaning um, using things like kind of the precursor to an Apple Watch. We had this, these oh, big wow. arm bands that we put on. Um, uh, well, actually in the clinical trial I'll put on the pages before that, we actually did um, the, re- I actually did the, kind of the research on myself and kind of tested it out. So kind of um, wear an armband and then kind of a c- continuous glucose monitor. So it measures things like uh, your your movements, so your um, latitudinal, latitudinal acceleration, um, your galvanic skin response, which is uh, kind of an indicator of your stress levels, And then we did food logs. So you take all that information. And then in um, real time, um, you, you know, train the models and you're able to predict blood glucose using non-invasive inputs. And what was really cool about that, it was very individualized. So it's a model for the individual person so they could see how, you know, their activity and their food was making an impact on their blood glucose levels.
0: But it also sounds good because I don't have to get stabbed by a needle, right?
1: Yes, yes. So, was, yes. This is what not, I'm talking about thinking. right here. Yes. Now, in the clinical trial, I had to get stabbed because we had to validate the data. So oh, Corinne, come on stabbing. now.
0: See, so you had me, you had me, you had me. I mean, I didn't care if that little pack had to look like an old school VCR, you know, recorder that you walked around with at the little league field. That'd be okay if you keep me away from the needles. But now you're going to jab me anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, that was just for the test. And oh. that was pretty brutal because by the end, I had pricked myself so much, like I had to start <laughs> pricking from other pieces on my hands and stuff. But anyway, but I thought it was cool because then you. You, you know use the data and you get results and I was like that's pretty awesome um, so I just wanted to learn more mm. so I continued to get a PhD in chemical engineering at Georgia Tech um, and took um, did a thesis in a, a very computational um, computational field and so that was a little bit different um, actually kind of using um, data to find out the most cost-effective means of producing biodiesel in the southeast
0: biodiesel Yes. So that didn't have anything to do. do with glucose? I know. It's
1: dang. It's wild. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, I'm- so
0: let's, uh, let's, let's pause for just a second. Cause, uh, when you said something, I don't know what you said a second ago. Oh, computational. I'm like, oh, math. Yeah. Come on. So, um, let's, let's back up just a second and, okay. uh, because, we, we're we now starting to hear more about artificial intelligence. And of course, there are people who are afraid that Bill Gates has taken over the world and, you know, microchips and all this kind of thing. Give a little, I don't know whether you want to call it a history or just want to lay the groundwork. Talk a little bit about what artificial intelligence actually is and then how it kind of functions generally, not like specific to healthcare or biodiesel. Okay, so in general, kind of the
1: biggest, general definition, I like to say artificial intelligence is intelligence of a machine. So a machine doing something um, intelligent. So it could be um, a machine learning from uh, machine learning from data, or it could be a robot throwing a baseball. Um, Now, a lot of times when we think about um, AI applications, a lot of times we're really thinking of something more specific called machine learning, which is uh, machine learning from data, mm. right? So when you look at kind of the blood glucose thing, right, you take all of this data about their activity and you look at the data over time and you find patterns and you get predictions. So um, so when I think of machine learning, I just think of a machine learning from data. So while there's a lot of kind of scary things out there, um, you know, I don't think we're there yet where the robots are taking over because it's really learning from the data that we put in. You know, we're still feeding the machine, teaching it things and it's learning patterns based on giving it a lot of information. Mm. And now that we have so much more computing power, you know, you can build bigger and bigger models um, because, you know, it can hold more data and more memory and things like that.
0: I was, I was going to um, yeah. ask you that question uh, because I remembered back, you know, back in the old days. That people would say, well, a machine, you know, a, a computer can only do kind of a garbage in, garbage out thing. A computer can yes. only do what its inputs allow it to do. Yes. But then sometimes you actually see, you know, things about self-learning computers or self-learning programs. But it sounds like what you're saying is even that kind of thinking is more related to the original inputs, plus the increase in computing power. Am I misunderstanding that or is there actually yeah. such a thing as self learning computers?
1: No, I think, I mean, I would say that we're not, not there yet. Okay. Um, I mean, there are things like reinforcement learning where kind of learns from its mistakes and things like that, but it's still based on us putting input of data, writing a program um, that helps it learn from data. So, yeah, it's still it's still absolutely garbage in, garbage out. And I think the garbage in is where you start getting, that's when things get scary. Not that the robots are going to take over, is that, you know, we're putting in bad data, we're putting in biased data. And so these systems um, that are maybe producing results that are inaccurate, results that are unfair, mm. or b- results that are biased, or are making decisions based on that. So. Wow. I'm more afraid of that, Mm. that we have biased humans and biased data building these systems. And so that's where I'm actually most concerned at this point.
0: And what can be done, I mean, other than an intentional, an intentionality about, uh, I don't know, having a cross, uh, cross section of people working on the programming where uh, people are like checking up on each other's biases or making sure that assumptions aren't being made in programming what are are there any ways to avoid that other than making sure there's enough people involved uh to check each other out or cancel each other out?
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing that's important, but it's kind of scary that um the field is so lacking in diversity, mm-hmm. so we we really really don't have that um to, to a good extent
0: so are you an are you an outlier?
1: <laughs> I would say I mean there's <laughs> some of us out there. Uh, but, but it's definitely not a lot. Yeah. Um, I know that like when I go to, you know, tech conferences and things like that, um, kind of one of the benefits is there's never a bathroom line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never the case. So I'm just like, walk straight up. Um, but no, it's, it's, um, you know, there's definitely not a lot of, um, not a lot of women, uh, not a lot of um, people of color, not a lot of African Americans, um, and then you know that's especially challenging because um, we you know we're the most impacted um, um, by these biases in a lot of cases. So it is having um, checks and balances, but you know that's really something that that's really not there a lot. I mm. think that kind of the ethics is lagging behind the technology at this point you can kind of just build something, deploy it, use it to make decisions. And those aren't really many consequences. You know, one thing things you can do is try to make sure you have um, data from diverse populations, you know, tests to make sure that um, what you're doing, um, you know, that you have good results, but also good results on all populations and things like that. And then consider what you're doing. Should you really be doing it at all? You know, some of the um, the applications we have in areas of criminal justice and things like that, you know, where you're using facial recognition to mm. um, um, find criminals, you're getting false arrest. Um, some of the things they're doing um, kind of to predict recidiv- recidiv- recidivism. Recidivism? <laughs> I, can't, I can't say the word. Yeah. That, that thing. Going back
0: to jail again. Yes.
1: Yeah, um, where you're trying to predict, um, you know, the likelihood that someone is going to commit a crime again, and Mm. that's influencing sentencing, and that's particularly scary when you already have so many biases in the justice system. Mm. All of that data um, is going to go into those models and exacerbate existing biases. So um,
0: that is, yeah, man, that's, um, so I've been, I mean, um, kind of keeping up with uh, studying would probably be too strong a word, but keeping up with, um, the justice system, uh, the component parts. So, you know, the police and the, the public defenders and prosecutors and the court system and sentencing and all that kind of stuff is something I've been uh, looking at for a number of years myself. And I can only imagine given not only the accidental mistakes that are made or the, the accidents that happen where, uh, clues or evidence is genuinely overlooked. So it's not intentional, mm-hmm. it's not hidden. It's an accident. Uh, or you have a, a witness who isn't found until after sentencing takes place. And how long it takes for all of these things to be rectified. So a person can be uh you know, their their case can be cleared, the the real criminal is found, they they confess ten times over, blood sample proves that they're the ones that did it. And poor guy is still sitting in, you know, on death row for two more years waiting for everything to cycle through just so everybody can say, oh, guess what? We messed up. Thank, you know, thanks for your patience. Here's a hundred dollars in the suit and you're on your way. And now we're not even talking. I mean, now we can get into the, the intentional things that are done. So uh, yeah. evidence that's actually hidden and um, uh, prosecutors that lean for the worst penalty in order to get a plea bargain when actually probably no charges is even necessary and all these things that take place the cash bail and all these things and now we now we can factor in um, advanced detecting techniques like facial recognition that also have problems built into them now when a court case comes up and facial recognition is in play is that going to be even easier for the prosecution to get a conviction. And then it's potentially that it was biased that caused a, a misrecognition in the software.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there is like a false, like hope, like a false sense of faith in the system. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people say numbers don't lie, but sometimes they do. Um, and I, I remember one time I went to a healthcare conference, um, and one large kind of player um in the ai space um they have some specific um healthcare applications as well um they were doing a, a kind of a talk and i was excited because of this healthcare conference there wasn't a lot of ai but i was kind of disappointed um once they started because they kind of started with the thesis is that AI eliminates bias. And I was like, oh, whoa, wow. whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, I can't <laughs> believe I'm hearing this. And then they went on to say, very sadly, that one of the applications that they were doing is they were using a drug data from past um, judge determinations to help build models to predict when children should be taken from homes in the case of opioid addiction.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Oh. Uh, and so I mean, that was frightening that their thesis was ai eliminates bias and then when i asked specifically you know um you know we have existing biases and injustice in this system you know in the child welfare system and in all of this how are you making sure that what you're doing doesn't exacerbate existing biases and then instead of answering the question they said to address issues with the african american community we have are partnering with the American Diabetes Association, which was wild because they never said anything about race. Right. And so.
0: And opioids is not the problem among African-Americans.
1: Yes. So, so that's scary because I mean, that is a huge company. I mean, so.
0: Wow. Well, uh, this is Marty Dern and you're listening to my interview with Corinne Reed. She's the president or CEO of Ellison Labs uh, in Atlanta. And we're talking about artificial intelligence. I would be happy to have any kind. So we're going to come right back after this. If you've been listening to Uncommentary for any length of time, you've heard me talk about Hearts and Minds books. They're my favorite independent bookstore located in Pennsylvania owned by Byron Borger. I hope you'll give them a try. Heartsandmindsbooks.com. Every book I've ever ordered from Hearts and Minds has come carefully wrapped in uh, brown wrapping paper, like packaging paper. Every single book. Nothing's just thrown in a box with a, pa- with a thing of bubble wrap and shipped to you in the hopes that it gets there in some kind of condition that it's still worth reading. You never have to worry about that with Byron. So I encourage you to try out Hearts and Minds Books. Go to heartsandmindsbooks.com and let them know what you need. Mention Uncommentary, and if you can, he'll give you a discount on the book that you order. Thanks a lot for listening and support Hearts and Minds Books. Well, um, Corinne, what are... What are maybe you've talked about, uh, artificial intelligence having applications in healthcare. And we've talked about some concerns about how it might have misapplications in, uh, in law enforcement. Um, what are some other areas where you're like hopeful as you look out kind of across the AI landscape, you're hopeful in ways that it can be used. And maybe are, are there other ways that you look out and you're like, eh, I'm not really sure that that's going to be a good thing.
1: Yeah, so for me, yeah, I'm very excited about the use in healthcare, kind of as a double-edged sword. So I'm really excited because I think um, we can use it for a more personalized approach to medicine. It seems like, um, you know, each person, I believe that each, each person is an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how can we use data um, about the individual to find better um, to find better ways of treating them. So, if you think about things like um, genomics, you know, how do you use um, a person's specific genetic makeup to find um, cancer uh, treatments that will be more effective for them, but also have you know fewer side effects mm-hmm. for for the individual? So things like that. Um, how do you you know predict um the long term risk of particular diseases so that healthcare becomes more preventative mm-hmm. um rather than um uh, really reactive. How do you kind of figure out what people's risks are and and then um predict predict them so that you know people can make lifestyle changes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So how do you use data to improve overall health? And the other thing is that I think um is helpful is when you build these models, one of the things you have to do is as like you said garbage in, garbage out, is to kind of get that data together. It feels like Right now, healthcare data is so fragmented um, with each hospital or each physician practice. The data is in a different place. So, um, a lot of the laws now or they're trying to bring forth to make your healthcare data interoperable, meaning that it travels across location and you can see um, the full picture. So I think that's good that as we begin to use the data, kind of the cleanup to the data, um, that we, that will be required, I think will be very helpful because there's errors in medical records. Um, and, and it's very fragmented. Mm. I remember um, kind of my grandmother, um, she passed away um, in, in November um, from what i seen, what I think, well, I believe it was an avoidable um, kind of hospital acquired condition. Um, and I think, and just kind of, especially as the sort of pandemic just trying to actually figure out what was going on in each of the interactions um you know what was happening in this provider versus that provider it's very unclear it was very difficult to get a picture of what was going on um and she ended up passing you know she was you know past hmm. 95 wow. and you know passed based on something that was very avoidable and i think just that fragmentation in the data um and not really just not everyone knowing what's going on and not being on the same page. So I think kind of bringing that together. How do you prevent things like that? How do you put in safeguards, um, that will, you know, be early warning so that you can mm-hmm. intervene before something like that happens? So I think, um, that that's really important. Um, but I will say it is a double edged sword, um, because you know there are applications you know that have been um, pretty harmful mm-hmm. uh, in healthcare, and bias you know definitely plays a part. Where a lot of these models that have been deployed, they're not they do not work equally mm-hmm. across um, gender, across race. Uh, one one in particular that I'll call attention to is that's in the in the healthcare arena. They were trying to figure out insurance. Insurance companies are trying to figure out. Which patients you know are going to require a lot of care, or so? How do we? Who do we um, proactively engage uh, to promote wellness? And what they did was instead of looking at um, kind of the data more holistically, they actually used the healthcare cost to to um, predict who would need more healthcare. And it turned out that um, due to um, Various systematic reasons that people of color were not using as many healthcare resources. Wow. Um, and so they basically were given less. Right? They were given, even though that they had risks of, um, you know, various ailments, they were given less attention.
0: So because many in the African American community weren't availing themselves of healthcare for various reasons. (laughs) <laughs> it was predicted that they actually didn't need the healthcare. Did I understand that yes. right? Wow.
1: Yes. So it's kind of the thing of, you know, cause, kind of, you know, correlation is not causation. Right, right. They weren't consuming a lot of healthcare, but it was for different reasons via the co via, you know, all those types of things. And so they're getting less. So kind of the thing where kind of these systematic issues, you know, that are present in the data kind of, just exacerbate, ex- exacerbate by using these models. Um, so, you know, there's definitely ways to predict risk. Um, but just, you know, cost is just kind of was a bad predictor. So just things like that. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity with the vast amount of data that we're collecting, but we just have to think carefully about understanding the results. So it's, it's a couple of things. It's, you know, do the results, mm-hmm. um, are are the models accurate across all races, but what does it actually mean? Why am I getting the answer that I'm getting? Because you can build a model, again, garbage in, garbage out, and that gives you kind of a silly answer, so you have to kind of take a step back and ask, why am I getting the result? Does it actually make sense? And kind of think critically about um, the whole process.
0: So let me me ask you this, and this may be entirely unrelated, and if it is entirely unrelated, then just say Dude, I don't know. And we'll go to something else. Okay. <laughs> um, so is artificial intelligence in any way at all related to blockchain technology that like Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these cryptocurrencies are related to? Or is that like something totally and entirely different?
1: Um, it's different. Like the so blockchain technology is a distributed ledger. So it's different, but it's kind of the same fuzzy, like it has the same height behind it, but it, it's different.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, but
1: it's it's yeah. relevant to healthcare in the sense that, like, um, it has the buzzword where people are like, can you just put it on the blockchain? And I'm like, why? <laughs> so, I mean, it's very hype. Be, like, I think people in, wait a minute,
0: hang, hang on, hang on just a second. Because pe- pe- <laughs> it's funny just to hear you say that. So, people in your field make comments like, just put it on the blockchain?
1: No, like, so there's like, okay, so there's a whole lot of hype in my field, right? So they're like, can we use AI for that? I'm like, no. Gotcha. But why? You know. So every time someone says something, I'm like, but why? Because you have to have your reason. Because sometimes you don't actually need AI at all. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You don't use it. Um. But so a lot of times there is a tendency to like take the solution and try to find the problem for it.
0: Okay. So so do you ever tell people? Do you ever tell people use your own intelligence and don't expect me to make up some intelligence for you?
1: No. <laughs> no, I would say it nicely. I will like, well, I'm just try to like <laughs> explain nicely. Well, we could do that because, you know, black. you could put healthcare data on a blockchain. There's a lot of people who were like sold as to why, but I still haven't found a use case where I think I really need to put the data there because there's so many mm. ways to store the data that kind of makes sense to me. And yeah. so for the applications that I've done so far it has not made sense. So I'm not going to say that it doesn't, Mm -hmm. but for all this, I've I've encountered a lot of different use cases and it has never made sense to me to put it on a blockchain. But people, it has been done. Um, So at a place that I worked before, I think they did, but I don't know if it's like actively being used. I think a lot of times people like put it on the blockchain and then like do a press release (laughs) and then that's it but it's like not actually actively used
0: try to get uh elon musk to tweet about it so that their investment will go up
1: (laughs) exactly it's like a very i'm not saying that it there hasn't been a useful use case i just haven't come across it but definitely there's a lot of ways like if you said ai plus blockchain plus healthcare i bet i could get like a whole bunch of like vc funding so but
0: oh wow that is amazing that is, you heard it here first folks, Corinne Reed's going to try to get a bunch of VC funding by using those three <laughs> words together. Um, so, um, so let me, uh, I had a question that came, th- that went through my mind just now. Um, and it, it didn't have to do with, did Bill Gates use AI to, uh, put the, uh, vaccine, to put a radio frequency inside the vaccine so that we can all talk to each other without moving our mouths. That was not the question.
1: I didn't didn't get that. I I got my second vaccine. I was disappointed. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe soon enough, at least maybe I can do Microsoft Word without having to, like, use the the keypad. Maybe I can just think, and it will, like, automatically type this stuff. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Maybe if we get the vaccine, we'll, like, actually, like, ding. Like, (laughs) I use everything Mac, and I don't use, like, any Microsoft stuff. So, I haven't had the urge, so.
0: So uh I think what I was I think what I was gonna ask had to do with um because you mentioned you were talking about the ability to predict uh what might happen based on uh health healthcare wise and diagnosis stuff. Uh mm-hmm. do you see a big role of AI coming out now on the almost, you know, we can say we're on the backside of the pandemic, at least in the States. We think we can say that I think. Um do you see a big role in AI like predicting what might happen in the the various of uh, the various variants the variants that uh, that are anticipated now will that be used and people be able to hopefully find it quicker if there's an outbreak or are we not there with that?
1: I absolutely do think um, that, um, that, that that that's a possibility so I think um, some of the models to predict hotspots spots and things like that some of that stuff is quite good so I definitely think um it'll play a major role and a lot of researchers have um, gotten involved in that way and um there's expertise so i think that's definitely something um that that um that will be um will be successful in my opinion because anything where you have the data to do it um i think um definitely predicting hot spots and things like that um i definitely think that that's something that um will play an important role.
0: So, so I have one more Absolutely. question and this goes back to something, the garbage in garbage out part and uh, that uh, artificial intelligence isn't able, it has its limits, but you know, as well as I do that there's sometimes there is some scientist somewhere, even if he's in his own basement, there is some knucklehead out there who is doing everything that he or she can to try to make artificial intelligence become self-aware. They want to create Skynet. They want it to happen because there are crazy people out there. How in your, in your estimation, can that ever happen? And if so, how long would it, I mean, are we talking about like five years, 10 years? Are we talking about like, it's so far in advance that we don't even have to think about it.
1: I think it's so far in the future that uh, we don't have to think about it. I mean, I just think we're so we're just so far away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's really i guess good looking at the results getting from these <laughs> systems. I think it's far away, and I think some people are dreaming of it and stuff like that. But actually, I'm I'm just not there yet. I'm um, just based on what I've seen. I even think that the hype, like you know, we're saying with the blockchain, and mm-hmm. even in the healthcare applications, we're just not that far along. Um, I think there's more hype relative to what is actually happening mm-hmm. in reality most like a lot of the big uh, talent you know they're telling you to buy on amazon and netflix and what to watch on netflix so um we're just not that not that far we have more competing power we can process <laughs> more data that is ever. so funny <laughs> <laughs> y'all are worried
0: about skynet becoming self-aware and what artificial intelligence is really doing is telling you what to watch on netflix <laughs> That is so funny. Corinne Reed, you guys check out her website. It's dot Uh And your Twitter, is it just at Corinne Reed or is there an underscore in there? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it's just at Corinne Reed, K-O-R-I-N-R-E-I-D.
0: All right. Y'all follow her and um, check out her website and be looking for big things from her in the future. Corinne, thanks so much for hanging out.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at Pod. Please rate and review, and whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or CastBox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, and as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from uncommentarypodcast.com uncom- uh, on your Facebook page, or if you tweet the link or retweet the, uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Soledad Gloria. This is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcast.